South Van Studio in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production presents Under the Water Tower, sponsored by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Derek Biglane and Matt Crane. Good morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. How was your weekend? Oh, man, it was good uh, for the fifth weekend in a row. Soccer games, uh, micros this time. We didn't have to travel much. Didn't win a game, but played hard. Got put in the top bracket. Played pretty well and hung with them a little bit. Let's see. They they gave up five goals. Obviously, uh, we talk, you and I talk a lot off air, but uh, Wilson plays goalie. Two of them were penalty kicks. Kind of sucks. That's when tough. You, yeah, that's <laughs> tough. Kind of sucks to have penalty kicks. Let's see. Give up five goals on the entire weekend. Two of them be uh, penalty kicks. So, you know, tough weekend for him. Didn't win any, but uh, Hernando Express, uh, good job. The 07 team mm-hmm. uh, mixed kind of with 07 and some 08s. Uh, good job on the season. Uh, a lot of kids got better as, as we went along. And so looking forward to the spring season uh, coming up and just some church, uh, you know, obviously church Sunday morning. Slave to soccer, but not anymore. That was the last one. Last one of the fall season. Done. Done. Wow. Well, I say, yeah, it was definitely the last one. And now he starts uh, basketball practice three times a week for the HMS uh, basketball team and HMS soccer just about every day. Well, I was going to say they're playing soccer. That's right. They play soccer in the wintertime in yeah. school. They practice uh, for about month, yeah. They practice about four to six weeks, and then have like three games. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll pick up back up with the spring soccer though. Right, guess, yeah, on the on the backside, yeah. So, uh, yeah, easy weekend for us. Like you know, just running around, no six U soccer. I take that back. We I have to admit we we didn't go to a six U game, and mm-hmm. then we got a text during the game that there were only three little girls there, and they had to borrow players from the other team. So wow. <laughs> Priorities, just priorities. Well, you know the the one thing the good rec, uh, Parks and Rec department does is they give a jersey that's changeable. Oh, they'll, they'll so they were able to, yeah. They the little girls were able to go into a phone booth real quick and you know change awesome. to red or blue or whatever and switch out. So they got to play for the other team. So it kind of worked out perfect. Well, okay, just play, it's about that time. It's just playing time and touches. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. So um, it's quality six U soccer. Mine was again not that quite involved. Had a game. Went to watch two Friday night that we'll discuss later on. A little yard work on Saturday. Watched another game on TV that was horrendous Sunday church, and then had a HOA meeting from three to four thirty in the afternoon. Went pretty well, beautiful weather, and uh, that was basically my weekend. So just again, steady, boring. Okay, UTW podcast listeners, uh, Derek and I live in the same neighborhood, so Derek's been heavily involved in that for years and just does a really good job. Still the president, or yes, and they voted you again for the eighth straight year, maybe it's. I don't think there's an agenda. I mean, there's not even a ballot anymore. It's just it's just assumed. Yeah, that big lane guy, he'll, he'll, he'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. We'll learn more about that. Anyway. Well, I'll tell you uh, something that can't take care of. You need your house to sell. Tim Couch is there to take care right. of it. Right. Speaking of homeowners association, if you're looking to uh, for, to have a homeowners association, look no further than Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Team Couch is uh, starting their third week of being the presenting sponsor for the UTW podcast. Thank Brian and Terry for continuing to believe in us and uh, couldn't thank them enough for working with us at the UTW podcast. Team Couch has been in business for over 13 years. Team Couch has been the number one real estate team for residential real estate in DeSoto County for over a decade. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in DeSoto County, there is no team better equipped than Team Couch of Birch Realty with 55 years of experience on their team. So give them a call at 662-449-1700. That's 662-449-1700. And let Team Couch of Birch Realty show you the difference when it comes to picking a residential team in DeSoto County. Podcast is recorded each and every Tuesday and Friday mornings at the Mobile Car and Van Studios right here in Hernando at 2571 McCracken, right at the corner of McCracken and Commerce next to the Burger Shop. Mobile Studios 
obviously. It used to be Mid-South Vans, but now Mid-South Vans has changed its name and become the fourth location of mobile car and van rental out of Startville. So if you're looking to rent a car or a van for any need, please give them a call. 662-469-4555. That's 662-469-4555. Something that's, uh, you know, obviously, like I said, we record on Tuesday mornings, Friday mornings. Big thing about 4 o'clock yesterday, Tate Reeves. DeSoto County, I think uh, nine counties across the state. Yes. Nine counties across the state, you know, got went back into, uh, you know, mass purgatory, I guess is what you call it or whatever it was, back to the corner uh, with, our, with our mask on. Got to put our mask on back. And DeSoto County was one of those nine counties. The mask band-aid has, will be reissued on Wednesday. That's tomorrow for eight, as he said, nine counties. It'll be DeSoto County. I think they're also Chickasaw, Claiborne, Forest, Itawamba, Jackson, Lamar, Lee, and Neshoba counties. What this means is that we're following all the way back to where masks are required indoors, uh, limited to 10 people, no more than 10 people indoor gatherings, and no more than 50 people in outdoor gatherings. So again, 10 indoor, 50 outdoor, mask in all public places. So we basically fallen back. Didn't I don't see anything in here. I'm trying to read as we're talking because it was just uh, – you know, brand new yesterday evening, and it will not actually be announced till tomorrow. Don't say anything about the high school, you know, 25%, 50%, if that's gone back or not. They are talking about, um, you know, just the number of cases have increased in our county. We're back over 500 cases a day, which is why this is being put back in place. And so, again, uh, you know, this is – I know personally uh, I have seen several people become lax. My, my place of business, the, the doors are back open. Now, you still have to mat- wear a mask when you come in. But there are other places who have completely, you know, gotten rid of masks. You've got um, different events, Halloween events, stuff going on right now where there are no masks. And so this is coming back down because the number of cases are starting to spike. It is flu season. There will be a lot more of this, and so the, the mayor came in and just picked basically anybody that had over 500 cases per day and is going to require the mandate uh, some, announce it sometime tomorrow. So 500 new cases, over 500 new cases per day in the Southern Per 100,000 people. So 500 cases per day per 100,000. For us, that's closer to 1,000, but that's, that's what he's looking for, 500 cases per 100,000 people. Uh, in a county is what caused that to rise. Reevaluate this win. The supervisors have come in and said is that they would like to see this carried uh, until November 16th. So one month. About when you say supervisors, the county? Yeah, the county, county supervisors. They came in on kind of the back end of it, and what they said, they, they kind of spoke to them, had, uh, did an interview, and said that, that they would like to see – let me go through here real quick. Yes, uh, that they would like to see some kind of restrictions through um, October – Excuse me, through November 16th. That is correct. interesting. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to click on the, what I sent you earlier. So uh, interesting. I mean, I was unaware of it. I mean, I won't argue with you that it's a bit different over the last month as far as when the, the mass mandate was uh, was lifted in what, mid third week of October? I'm sorry, third week of September. September. Yeah, third week of September. So definitely a bit different. Uh, you know, less masks. I've seen less masks. I continue to sometimes, uh, you know, wear mine uh, in different places. But you know, I mean, I guess Governor Reese is doing what he what he feels like he, he needs to do to uh, try and put a, a squash or a, a slowdown in DeSoto County and the uh, the other nine counties. I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> I struggle with it. You know, we talk about it uh, for the last 21 shows. We've discussed the coronavirus and. It's definitely a part of, of our lives right now, uh, and it's it's a big part of our lives, especially. You know, just do the best you can out there. Be cordial with one another uh, when it, when it's all said and done. And, and you know, if, if, if you have to go to Kroger or Walmart or any or a gas station, Walgreens, something like that, uh, they're going to require a mask, and, and that's where we are right now. And I, I do want to clarify, it's the what the, the supervisors did was to declare a emergency declaration 
for the pandemic through November 16th. And what this means is, is that they can uh, get funding or reimbursement for money spent on COVID patients or treatments. Okay. So that's what they did. They actually, they're not uh, asking us to keep the mask. The state's asking us to do that. And that will be, he will announce the actual timeline tomorrow. What the supervisors have gone went ahead and done is the, is to extend the emergency declaration saying that DeSoto County, you know, is basically declared an, uh, uh, an emergency area for COVID so they can continue to apply for those grants. Right. And so it's, it's you know, again, as you said, it's a, um, it's a tough time. It's, we've got to do our part and, you know, and it's not fun wearing masks, but, you know, if it goes down to under to the three hundreds, and now we're back over five hundred after they release it, you know, you can you can argue the own cause and effect, but you know, it, it, I, it seemed to have been working when we were a little more strict with the mask. So just wear the mask, and the, and the worst case scenario that can come out of this is that the, maybe the flu season is not as bad because we're not spreading flu, flu germs. Right. In, in that case, but again, just you know, listen to them. You'll still have to wear it in schools, obviously. Let's keep the schools open. Let's keep the kids in the schools, and uh, let's just do our part. Uh, just do do the best you can. If you can, if you are a listener of the UTW podcast, I think you would agree that's that's what Derek and I continue to encourage uh, you know our kids to do and our, and our families to do. So uh, just do our part. Derek, something up coming up the first and third Tuesday of every month. Something coming up tonight is the second Auburn meeting of the month uh, in Hernando. So let's uh, visit about that. So we're going to have, you'll hear shortly, an interview that we did with a planning commissioner uh, about this and, and some of the stuff that we'll be seeing uh, come tonight to the meeting. She will also talk about it in the interview. But uh, several things that are coming up. There's a couple promotions. But the main things are that, again, Dale Wilson will come back for the Memphis Street development that he wants to do just, just north of one Memphis Street so to try to get that I think this is the third time they try to have this come to the Alderman meeting and so they'll, that will be talked about tonight there'll be requests uh, on some final plats that the planning commissioner uh, Natalie Lynch will talk to us about here in just a moment that you'll hear on the podcast but again for what we talked about last week one of the main things are is that the mayor uh, has written down that he wants to authorize to adopt a redistricting of award plan so they he hopes to call that to a vote you know to be able to you know see if we can finally get this straight have about 30 days to go ahead and, and put a public hearing out for that and then hopefully have that in place for voting next spring so again pretty busy night it looks like there's about 28 things on the excuse me 27 things on the agenda and so it should be a pretty packed night and again we'll get a little more detail on that here coming up in the interview board of honor meetings start at six six o'clock at the uh, city hall six o'clock at city hall if you're interested in going in there for that like like derek and i've said numerous times on the podcast you can watch them I think they're live. In, they're live streaming now. They're live streaming yeah, now, live streaming uh, and then now. you can also find it uh, taped um, on YouTube uh, with up within an hour after it's it's over. So if you miss it live, right. you'll have to wait about an hour or so before they actually post it to YouTube, and then you can find it there. Right. Mayor Ferguson was our guest on the UTW podcast uh, just last Friday, and he mentioned that, or I think I remember him catching you and saying, "Hey, I think it's live now." That's correct. So so that's something to think about, something to watch possibly tonight. Of course, we're going to talk about it on Friday. And as we were just mentioned, or as Derek mentioned, uh, Miss Natalie. Lynn Lynch, which is a planning commissioner, one of the planning commissioners for the city of Fernando, uh, was nice uh, nice enough to sit down uh, with us for a, a good interview, uh, visit with Natalie. Derek, I think she may be our, our, our favorite uh, planning commissioner. She's definitely the one we've known the longest and probably our favorite. Though, <laughs> yeah, we, we know Natalie personally. I've known her now for uh, well over uh, 15 years and just a great person. And But I couldn't think of anybody better to uh, do a thorough and uh, discuss um, what's going on in Hernando as far as from a planning commission standpoint than Miss Natalie Lynch. So we're going to go to her interview right now. 
Good morning, Natalie. Good morning. Uh, glad you could join the show. This is the first time for you being on our show, so we want to kind of get you to know you a little better. Tell us a little bit about where you're from and how you came to be in Hernando. I grew up in Meridian and Jackson. I moved to Hernando in 2003 when um, I got married, and I've been here ever since. So you've been here about 17 years, about a year, I guess, longer than I have, so... Uh, we've we've known each other uh, throughout most of this time. Tell us a little bit about, uh, now you, as you said, you've been here 17 years, and you've been on the commission how long? This I just finished my third year. So third year, and that's usually a four-year appointment, is that correct? That's correct. So how does the, now it is an appointment, it's not an election. How does the appointment for planning commissioner work? Each alderman appoints someone in their ward. I don't think there's an actual written rule for that. I think it's just sort of a tradition that they do. There are six commissioners to correspond with the five wards and the one alderman at large. And then there's also a seventh chairman commissioner. Okay, so and y'all meet uh, how many times a month? We meet once a month on the second Tuesday of each month. The meeting for this month was last Tuesday, uh, which would have been the 13th of October. Sometimes these meetings can probably be, what, 20 or 30 minutes. Other times they can be two to three hours based on what's kind of come up. On the meeting last week, what type of meeting was it? We have the agenda that we'll go through, but was this a kind of a more contentious meeting? Was this an easier meeting that happened last week? This was a very easy meeting last week. The main item, uh, was the Madison Lakes put. Kind of what were the discussions on that? We've talked about that a little bit on our podcast, but kind of tell people that may not know, maybe listen to first time, where the Madison Lakes put is located and kind of what has gone into the, the meeting meetings leading up to where we are right now. So Madison Lakes is located between Bahelia and Mackinville and Green Tea. It surrounds uh, Hernando Hills Elementary. Uh, that's actually part of the original plan was the school. It's been before the board several times. Each time, the number of citizens that have come against it has highly decreased. And that's because the changes that they've asked for in the past have been implemented by the developer with each meeting after that, correct? That's correct. Actually, this month, we did not have anyone against the Madison Lake PUD. The developer has done a real good job with implementing the changes that we've asked. So they, they brought it up. So we'll, we'll take the last uh, meetings, I guess, kind of go through that as an example. So last meeting they came, developer came. It looks like I'm looking at the agenda right now. It says there was a request for the amendment to the Mad- Madison Lakes PUD and calls total where it located. What was the request and what happened with that request during y'all's meeting? So the main request were the driveways along Green Tea and mainly by Hellier Road. So the developer has added an access road where it looks like there's just two points where you can enter and exit along Bahelia, and then the driveways come off of that. Um, That access road is 15 feet. There's a 15-foot buffer between Bahelia and the access road. So that should be a lot safer. Um, they also removed the commercial that they had planned at that corner at Jaybird and Bahelia. So they made that two residential lots instead of commercial, which was another safety concern. That's the, the, the bad curve right there that happens at Jaybird, yeah. Uh, so they originally had like a kind of like a, a strip center gas station type thing planned, and then now they're turning that to residential. I'm not sure exactly what the commercial was. It wasn't a lot of space, so it wasn't big, but people were concerned about the traffic coming in and out of that corner since it's such a dangerous intersection already. Based on what they presented, based on the changes that they made, did the Planning Commission pass that uh, amendment last Tuesday? We did. Um, We approved the amendment and it has been sent to the alderman. 
Um, from what I understand at the meeting last night for the comprehensive plan, I think that I heard that it has been tabled and will not be presented to the alderman until November. Oh, so they pushed it off to the November first meeting in November. I believe that's what I heard last night. Okay, and I then, don't know why. Again, it will be it will come up. So basically, but per the planning commission, all the changes that they have that y'all have asked them to make uh, based on you know of course this was approved as a PUD back in 2005 that's why they're having to amend it basically you know that plan was done before the school uh, before several other changes in the area the Mackinville Mackinville Road excuse me extension tying in old Mackinville to new Mackinville at the new 269 exit so all there was a PUD plan again 15 years ago that never was enacted due to the recession that was tabled obviously for, for many years and now they're having to bring it back because of the fact that there now is a school that took away some of the property now there's a road that took away some of the property and so but based on that everything that they've want done per y'all has been approved yes that's correct um, they added some design and architectural standards um, into the PUD it now goes to the alderman and basically resolution is left up to them going forward correct uh, so that's the Madison Lakes uh, so you know we appreciate the update on that and again that's a very large project easily a 15 to 20 year project for Hernando gonna add over a thousand homes and of course the commercial properties that are coming in but again again exciting time it sounds like everybody around that area has come to a consensus that this is going to happen, that they're happy with the way it sounds like it will happen. And so we'll see how the aldermen decide. Uh, sounds like not tonight, but sometime starting in November, there may be postponements and table, you know, having it tabled, but we'll see where it goes from there. The new business that came up uh, during last Tuesday's meetings, and these are some of the, the smaller things, I guess, compared to Madison Lakes. The first was a request uh, for variance from the sidewalk installation requirements. Uh, this is just a, something on Whitfield Drive. Was anything that really was affected citizens? It was just kind of a, just a, a one-off thing for the the owner. What happened with this is that a person purchased a building that had been vacant for more than a year, which means that they had to bring it up to uh, current codes and standards. We actually denied this sidewalk uh, installation variance request um, and asked him that he would build the sidewalk. The owner was very willing to work with the city and. And the city's going to help him out, too, by giving him a temporary uh, occupancy permit so he can start his business And um, while he takes time to work and get the sidewalk done. Well, good. I mean, that's uh, obviously so he was trying to not have to put the sidewalk in. And the, and the planning commission said, no, we need to keep that requirement. That's correct. Good. Well, that's kind of a, you know, a way, and that's something we do want sidewalks. I know the city's big push is to try to get you know, the pedestrian, the bike trails and, and the walking trails and stuff like that to be able to tie everything in without necessarily having to use cars or, or you know, other motorized vehicles of that nature. So completely understand and, and actually personally agree with that. All right, the next one on the agenda we want to talk about is the request for the final plot approval for the Wilkins Industrial Subdivision Water Tower lot. Tell us a little bit about that. So this was uh, sort of sectioning off a small lot to build a new water tower for the Nesbitt uh, water Association. I know that the Nesbitt takes um, care of the water needs in the north portion of the city. Okay, so yeah, everything probably around Pleasant Hill Road or um, right there, I guess, 51 to Pleasant Hill, uh, right around, what is it, the old Nesbitt downtown. 
uh, Whittingham subdivision, that area. Uh, yes. I think that a new water tower just shows the growth in that area and that the growth that, you know, Hernando knows is coming uh, in that area, especially as the interstate is widened as we go further north uh, that MDOT plans to do over the next few years. You mentioned earlier that you attended the business charrette last night. Tell us a little bit about what you heard and, and a couple things that our listeners may, may need to know. The city is working on a new comprehensive plan. Current one is dated from 2007. Cities try to come up with new comprehensive plans every 15 to 20 years. So we're we're right about the time frame for a new one. There's some consultants from a firm around Nashville that have come down. Uh, they've been here several times. They led the meeting last night. They said the main questions that you need to ask is where are we now? Where are we headed? Where do we want to go? And how do we get there? They talked a bit about utilities. They talked about housing. They talked about commercial and retail space. And they got a lot of feedback from the people that were there. Now, there were only about 14 people in attendance last night. Mm. And I believe that only three of them or four of them did not have some direct relation to the city, whether that be a planning commissioner or alderman or someone who worked for the city. So I was kind of disappointed in the turnout. Yeah, and again, I I personally did not attend. Uh, my son had his last uh, JV football game last night, and, and unfortunately, you know, some there are, people are busy after work, but. It, I think that what we need to understand, and that's what we're trying to do on this show, is to, you know, there's a lot that goes on even in a small town, and to know kind of the, the, the problems behind it, the opportunities behind it, you know, things that we can do to help our community, you know, either through our businesses or, or personally. But I think the main thing is, is that just to uh, educate yourself, because a lot of people complain that we don't have this. A lot of people complain that we don't have that. Why do other cities have these amenities? Well, this is your chance to speak up. You know, this is your chance to make your voice heard, whether it be publicly. Uh, I do know, I think the mayor mentioned on his interview that we had with him last Friday on the podcast that he is actually going to drive them around, I believe, uh, today and tomorrow. And then Thursday, they're going to meet back again for final comments, and then they'll take all that information, I believe, that that's right, and then go back and make their report. Is that correct? Kind of what they said last night? That's correct. There will be another meeting at the Gale Center Thursday at 5 o'clock, so it'd be great to see some more people there. I agree. I see a lot of complaints on social media about Hernando and what goes on or what doesn't go on. That's why I was disappointed to not see many people there last night. If you don't know when things are going on with the city, um, the way that I knew about it was that I signed up for the email updates and I get email updates every time there's anything posted on the city calendar you get agendas for the meetings and I highly suggest uh, everyone go to the website and sign up for those that's great advice I think that's a, a really good thing to do and you can call your alderman if you have a problem obviously uh, you can you know talk to them and tell them and make them aware of something but more than likely everybody just tells their neighbor tells their friend maybe put some snide comment on social media again these are the things that will make a difference that the the people in charge our leaders in the city need to hear and if they don't hear it from us you may mumble and grumble in the background but again this is where you can make it public and and things can get done i'm not going to say it's not going to be at a snail's pace i'm not saying it's going to be at, you know at a pace maybe it's maybe some of y'all don't want growth and you may think it's too fast other y'all say this town never grows it's the same as it was 10 years ago uh, that nobody's ever going to be completely happy but we are going to change we know madison lakes is coming natalie just kind of talked about that we know hernando west is in the plans it's coming uh, and we know that you know 
the, the 269 will open, which is going to drive all kind of traffic. Uh, there was a meeting also last night that we'll report on Friday about the, uh, the hearing by the developer for the Love's um, truck stop that they're talking about putting at Lauder Road in 269. So, again, these are important things. And, again, we, we just urge our listeners to, to educate themselves, to find those avenues, and to, uh, you know, to do what they can to, you know, to become involved in the community. You might not ever run for office, but you can still make your voice heard. Natalie, anything else uh, that happened uh, from the Charette last night or anything else that you would like to remind us about over this last month that's happened for the Planning Commission? Last night they gave us a lot of statistics. I'm looking forward to Thursday to find out uh, more details about what the new plan might have in store for us. Um, but some of the statistics they gave out were that 90% of our residents commute out of town for work. Also, over 50% of the land in Hernando is natural or agriculture, and 32% is residential. Uh, less than 10% is commercial and industrial. One of the things they said was that we are somewhat lacking in entertainment and destination venues, which I think we all understand. But they they were saying that it would help our, our town and our community to have more things for people to come and stay and not just pass through. We're going to discuss this later on in the podcast, but this kind of goes along with the sports feasibility study uh, that we're gonna, that happened last week. Uh, they talked about the lack of hotel rooms, the lack of uh, just the amenities that we had for visitors to come in. And this is, I mean, we all know it's a weakness. We, we, we know it, uh, those that have lived here a long time, you know, th- there have been a lot of things that have changed for the good. I mean, you know, we've got several other businesses, you know, last year, you know, in the last year, we opened up a car dealership. Now, we had three you know, 50 years ago, uh, but now we have a new one now. Uh, of course, the AWG is coming in. So th- there are some positive things, but there are a lot of that, you know, you can't visit those unless you're looking for a car. Um, and we do need those amenities. Uh, and so it sounds like the city is hearing it both on the business side and the sports side. And I think hopefully they can come together with a comprehensive plan that kind of melds everything together. And then, you know, all right, so then take that next step to move forward. Um, I think those are good statistics. Uh, I, you know, it's it's interesting that we are that lacking, uh, even though we feel like we're not because we have South Haven, we have Isle Branch. But, you know, the city, we live in the city, and our taxes go to, you know, to Hernando. And so we would like to see more of those things. Another thing that you mentioned, you just said, 90% of us commute out. A lot of you complain, well, we need a Slim Chickens, we need a Chick-fil-A. Well, that's what those companies look for. If we're leaving town for lunch, that's hard for them to locate here. And, you know, that's, that, that's their national model. That's where they're looking at. They, you know, yes, could we, could we support one? I mean, everybody I talk to says, yes, I'll eat there every day. I don't doubt you, but, you know, they're looking at national trends and leaving town for lunch to work elsewhere is not helping what they're trying to do. Um, so, again, just good things. But as Natalie said, 5 p.m. on Thursday, please come to the meeting. Uh, hear the kind of the wrap-up. Any other final opinions? Again, they're not issuing the final comprehensive plan on Thursday. This is just when they're ending the charrette, ending the meeting, talking to, and then they'll produce the report uh, sometime in the future. Natalie, do you have anything else? Just again, I think anytime you can take an hour out of your day to go sit in a city meeting, they're all public. Get firsthand knowledge, uh, watch the meetings on YouTube, do whatever you can to know for yourself to make opinions 
and be informed with the truth about what is going on. Great advice again. Uh, now, we really appreciate you coming on the show today. You know, I'll ask it to you publicly. We really would like for this to be a monthly thing for you to come on and share kind of what goes on at the planning commission meetings. Uh, this one, obviously, as you said, it was kind of it was one of the shorter meetings, not too contentious. There could be some where it gets pretty heated. And, you know, obviously, that's that's good for our show um, and also good for the community to, to know and to uh, to understand. So uh, we hope that you would love to do that. Uh, we really do appreciate you coming on here and uh, look forward to, to meeting with you again. Thank you. Thank you, Natalie, for coming in and, and visiting with us on the UTW podcast. Uh, I know Natalie listens to each and every show. Natalie, for those of you that don't know, uh, my wife and Natalie own a business together. That business is a, a local business that you've heard on the UTW podcast, and that business is The Print House, located at 2462 Church Street right here at Hernando. The Print House is your one-stop shop for printing services. Business cards, banners, screen printing for t-shirts, as well as a showroom full of all your vinyl and t-shirt needs. Whether it's a new logo or marketing plan for your business or a large order of t-shirts for your family reunion or church group, the ladies at The Print House can help. Simply give Heather and Natalie a call at 662-298-3105. That's 662-298-3105. Or find them online at The Print House ms.com that's the printhouse ms.com Derek last Friday we brought up or we were able to mention a new advertiser on the UTW podcast William Services William Services is a veteran owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care landscaping mulching and more owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs entering this fall season the leaves are about to start falling William Services specializes in leaf removal tree trimming, and fall cleanups. Give Richard and the team a call at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855 or on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. That's Williams Lawn Services. I was also talking with Natalie uh, during the interview that you heard earlier, kind of talking off record. The One of her favorite things of our show is the fact of the week. And so that brings us to this week's Fact of the Week, of course, provided to us by the DeSoto County Museum, Rob Long at the museum. Rob does a fantastic job, I think. Uh, in fact, Matt, I think the other day you stopped by to see him, and he was actually getting ready to put on a pretty decent tour. Yeah. Uh, had people coming in. And so, uh, you know, again, they're staying busy, even during the, the coronavirus, of course, when you go in there. Rob's been wearing a mask, so please wear a mask if you go. But we cannot encourage it anymore. Just please go in there. Just so much history we have here. A lot of people think that DeSoto County is a new county. And a couple of the towns, you know, in DeSoto County are new, but the area has been here obviously for hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands of years. Uh, we've got a you know rich history going back to the Indians, uh, obviously to Hernando DeSoto coming through this area, and then of course more recently with the founding of Hernando in 1836, and then of uh, the other parts. So again, he does a great job. There's a lot of uh, just curating it and bringing just different artifacts in from around the county, both donated and found. So again, please go by uh, 10 to 4 Tuesday through Saturday. To see Rob Long, tell him that the Under the Water Tower podcast came, you know, told told you to come see him, and he'll be very appreciative. He'll you know, do a great job showing you. You can do you know, kind of walk in there yourself and just look around. He can give you a, a, a tour himself. And again, we just cannot recommend it more. So, the Soto County Fact of the Week this week, uh, we're going to jump to year 1915. In 1915, the mayor of Hernando was A. M. Lauderdale, and R. F. Johnson was the marshal. Automobiles were just beginning to be bothersome. Now, bothersome, obviously, not to uh, the people driving them, uh, but to the town officials who set the speed at 12 miles per hour, a whopping 12 miles per hour. 
Frightened horses and mules were spooked almost daily into running away when the cars came by. So you had to make sure that the horse was tied up to the, the post pretty tightly or he'd just take off. It was not unusual for the occupants in wagons and buggies to be thrown out and injured. Automobiles also brought other problems in the form of robbers and safe blowers. Most of these lawless persons were from Memphis. Not much has changed. And they came into Hernando in their automobiles, which provided them with the advantage of speed and getting away. After the post office safe was blown open this year, and, the, and of course the year being 1915, the empty cash box was later found in Horn Lake Creek. There was a rash of store robberies, especially in outlying rural areas, which had little police protection. So again, this is 1915. Automobiles have come into play. You know, this is when obviously horses start going away. More and more people are buying the automobiles. And people from Memphis are coming down to DeSoto County and you know, trying to rob and, and get back north of the border, which again, unfortunately, we deal with a lot today. So 1915, the speed limit was 12 miles an hour. 12 miles an hour. Uh, now you have 16 to 18, probably 20-year-old boys who put lights under their trucks, lights in their rims. <laughs> And, I mean, and drives with straight pipes. Yeah, well, I mean, and you can. I mean, so, I mean, what? How many horses and mules would would run off if we if, with our straight pipes going out today? Yeah, it'd be a lot of horses and mules. <laughs> of course, you know, that car probably has three hundred and fifty horsepower. Exactly, but, you know, a, lot, a lot of horses and mules. At that time, I think you cranked the car from the front. I think you still <laughs> from turn on Model T. What a great uh, fact of the week! Uh, like I said, Derek, a lot of people stop me and say that their favorite favorite part of the podcast is the fact of the week. And thank you to Rob Long. Uh, couldn't have been more gracious to me the other day when he was starting a. Uh, a tour, um, Derek. He, I think the people were coming had just come in from around Huntsville, Alabama, and that that were there taking the tour. So thank you to Rob and the and the um, DeSoto County Museum. Get over there and visit them. Like you said, uh, ten to four Tuesday through Saturday. Just a wonderful thing. Again, if if you're just moving to um, Hernando or DeSoto County, or if you have been in DeSoto County for a long time and never been there, it's a very neat opportunity. We have some neat things coming up. Hopefully, with the fact of the week, Derek, pretty soon that we'll continue or we'll be able to share on the UTW podcast one day pretty soon. Well, Derek, something. Uh, speaking of history. Uh, looked into some of the stuff maybe to make history coming up pretty soon in Hernando uh, was the Parks and Recreation Feasibility Report. Before we talk about that, though, big thing happened out in Eudora in the last week. The Soto County Board of Supervisors had the ribbon cutting for the opening of new tennis courts in Eudora. These new tennis courts are located beside the Eudora Fire Station right there on Highway 304 or Old Highway 304. The These were the old gym, so it opened, I believe, yesterday, Monday the 19th. It was located uh, next to the Eudora, as I said, the Eudora Fire Department. It's built on the slab of the old Eudora gym. The gym was basically had begun into disrepair. They tore it down a couple of years ago. It was just an empty slab that has, was sitting there, and the supervisors promised at that time that they would find a useful purpose for that slab, and they did. They went in there, they refurbished the slab, painted it, put a fence around it, made it into uh, tennis courts. And this is the um, first tennis courts ever in a county park. Tennis courts will be wheelchair accessible. This has been, you know, Eudora is, of course, really excited about it. You know, as I said, they had the ribbon cutting yesterday, and just you know, fan, you know, just very excited. A lot of the tennis associations around here, it gives them an extra court. It is about 15 miles outside of Hernando, but again, it's halfway between here and Tunica, so they can go there and play on the way to Tunica or to get a, you know, to get a practice or a warm up in. The supervisors are very excited about how this turned out. Actually, looking to add tennis courts to other part parks around the county, so I think it's going to end up being a good thing, especially so, anywhere they can find a slab. You know what I'm well, saying? I mean, if you got a slab or just, I mean, a, 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 kind of just a, a piece of flat ground that you don't have to do too much dirt work to, sure. throw some concrete down, build your right. tennis court. And yeah. I mean, again, kudos to the supervisors for, you know, making, uh, you know, lemonade out of a lemon 
And, uh, you know, I, I look forward to – I have not seen it yet. look forward to driving out there and seeing it myself. And, you know, and just if they one can court, find Just one court is what you know? I, I think, yeah, from what I know. It may, it may be two. It's, it's one – Large. Yeah, one area. Kind of maybe like Church Park maybe has two courts in there. Gotcha. I, I'm, you know, but, again, just a, a great asset now to the county and just to the county park. So, so yeah, you're taking something that's an eyesore, something that's condemned, something that's not doing anything. Hey, how do we uh, multi, you know, how do we do that? I think I saw where it may be kind of a multi-use park where it's it is. tennis. The, yeah. The, there's a, there's a, a, like a trail out there. Uh, they've got some picnic tables, some benches, stuff like that. So it's, it's part of a overall park. Right. Uh, and again, the, there was a gym that used to be there, but right. now it's, it's going to be a tennis courts. And I know, you know, just going on kind of Facebook and some of the sites, seeing the likes and the comments underneath it, it seems like a a lot of the tennis players in the area are pretty excited about it. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, congratulations out there in Eudora. And like you said, look forward to, to going out there and taking a peek at that and, and seeing the court. But speaking of parks, speaking of Hernando Parks and Recreation, Derek, we've got a lot, a lot to talk about over the next uh, little bit. The Parks and Recreation Department last uh, Thursday night had a, a feasibility uh, report, a feasibility discussion, uh, had a presentation from 6 to 6.30, and then opened the the, uh, the opportunity for people to ask questions from 6, 6.30 to 7. Uh, Derek had the opportunity. Um, you received everything from Gia, Derek? I did. Yeah, received everything from Gia Matheny uh, with the city, who helps us out a lot on the UTW podcast. Uh, sent us some information uh, regarding the meeting. Took a look at the, the, the video. Also uh, read through the report and stuff like that. And Derek, just some really neat stuff. Just a quick talk about that. Uh, there's a This is a report about the future. This is a report about, I mean, they're paid consultants to come in and say, hey guys, here's what you paid us to do, which is to look at all the different things and, and which direction uh, Hernando Parks and Recreation could go in the next 10, 15, even 20 years. So some of the people listening to the UTW podcast right now, you may not see it, you know, or your children may not play on what we're about to talk about or be a part of those type things. Really and truly, we're talking about things that our grandkids might be able to enjoy uh, if you're going to be in Hernando 15, 20, 25, 30 years from now. So Derek, tell us a little bit about I think this is a, a great plan. I think that when you know sitting down and watching it, I had my mind open. I kind of I might have had a little bit about which way I thought they would go, and maybe they would just kind of say what the constituents wanted to hear or the people living in town wanted to hear. It, it did not go that way. Uh, I was Where very impressed. From? Where are they from? Uh, so we had the the two presenters were Russ Bryan, uh, who was with uh, Neil Schaefer, uh, he, and then the consultant was D.D. Danquilla of Long Beach. Uh, now this is Long Beach, Mississippi, not Long Beach, Compton. You know what I'm saying? This is Long Beach, Mississippi. Uh, this is he spent 28 years with the city of Long Beach. Again, Mississippi, not California, including uh, the director of leisure services. So he knows what he, I mean. He's been doing this for a long, long time, and you know, just a very impressive guy. I, I came up with the plan, and I do want to kind of go in a, just a little background about what they looked like. Most of y'all know this. Hopefully, if you didn't learn it or you don't do it every day at your work, that you learned it somewhere either in undergrad or maybe if you went to business, uh, you know, get your MBA in business school. But they did a SWOT analysis: uh, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And so they, they kind of down real quick: strength, strengths, weaknesses, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Got it. SWOT. S W O T. SWOT analysis. And so the strengths that they looked at for Hernando. This is what Hernando has going for it currently. They have a growing population, which mm-hmm. we all agree with. A higher household income and rising employment. So again, we have low unemployment even in this this, uh, time period of the virus. The weaknesses, lack of a corporate presence, lack of hotel properties, lack of visitor amenities, and it is not currently seen as a sports destination. Would so, agree with that, yes. I would agree with I, that. I, again, the strengths I agree I, with. I would agree with every weakness we have, yes. So what they did was, they, so, that's, so that's the first two things they looked at. Then they said, okay, well, what the current parks that we have right now, so taking those strengths and weaknesses, again, we're not to the opportunities of what they want to do yet. The, the things that we're doing right now, 
what are you know the parks so they went through every park church park everybody's familiar with the church park right in the middle of town they gave that excellent situation this is according just to, got a new court yeah this is according to national standards so they're looking at okay you know how it looks like does it have bathrooms the shape of it et cetera et cetera et cetera uh excellent situation Kirkendall Park, which is the track. Old track, uh, yes, yes, yes. Old track, old football stadium. Uh, they gave that a fair. Baldwin and Bushalon Parks, uh, they gave poor. Where are those? Uh, Bushalon Park is kind of out. Baldwin is the basketball, the oh. two basketball court. Uh, and then Bushalon Park is a smaller park. Um, I think it's uh, on the west side of town. And then the all other parks, in Lee Summit Park, uh, Conger Park, they were given good ratings. Good. Okay. Not, so not, well, not great. Not, not excellent. Not excellent. They were given good. Okay. They then said that based on Hernando's population size, they would need, or Hernando would need, 46 additional acres of parks. 46 additional so acres of parks. So that includes, now, and Renaissance, excuse me, is also considered good. 46 additional acres of parks is what they would recommend. Right, so basically right now we're at 76% of the amount of parks that we would need. 76%. The amount of parks that a town our size in the year 2020 should with have. Our, with our population density would need okay so we're, we're we're down on that so yeah so we would need to you know somehow acquire over the next several years 46 additional acres and maybe more than that depending on how fast we grow the other needs as part of that acreage so here's again i'm going to get into exactly what they would recommend but some of the stuff that they would like to see as part of this 46 additional acreage are more tennis courts more walking and jogging tracks and more playgrounds so that's just in general sure they're saying hey look if you're going to add parks or to, you know, the ones that are in fair or poor condition right now, to increase those, we would need to add you know, maybe some tennis courts, maybe some walking and jogging tracks, maybe some more playground. Then this is when they went to opportunities. So uh, now yeah, they're so switching. So we had strengths, we had weaknesses, now we move to the O part. Right. Opportunities. So, and so the, and then, then they looked at what we currently have, how that looks. Okay, so now based on what we have, the infrastructure that's already there, what should we as Hernando citizens or the city of Hernando be targeting for our parks going forward? The first thing they said, now, again, some of y'all are probably thinking, well, we've got to finish the soccer complex. Others might be saying, well, our baseball and softball fields are terrible. They didn't look at any of that. Sure. Their first thing they said was the first thing that the city should do to get, you know, to be where they need to be with parks is to build an eight-court tennis complex at Kirkendall Park. You're like, on the track? No, no, no. On Football the hill field. where everybody practices soccer? Oh, I see. Right there. Okay. On that flat hill leading toward the old, the, till the administration building to build Eight tennis courts right there. Building a tennis complex, right? Uh, so real quick, Derek. Uh, so this is something. What these people are saying is, is okay. And I'm sorry to, to stop you. They're saying, how do we get more people involved? How do we maybe get people in hotels? Correct. How do we produce revenue, mm -hmm. uh, dinner, drinks? Period. Tax base. How do we how do we get that ha to happen? Carry on. And they're saying, you know, why why eight tennis courts? Well, eight tennis courts will allow you to either host or partners with the other cities in the county to host regional tournaments so you could host a, maybe a smaller tournament you know, maybe a district tournament yourself maybe a small regional tournament or say hey south haven we'll do a, a, a massive statewide tournament you can have you know the soto county invitational yeah this bracket up here this bracket down here yeah, yeah. and so just kind of feeds the county but again hernando can be either co-leading or leading that event because right now we can't no we cannot, we right, cannot I'm, host saying, tournaments. Right, I'm gonna keep saying i'm gonna keep going back to that right now we cannot do what you just described okay so, uh, uh, tennis they said that tennis should be the higher priority. That's number one. You said that to this me. This is number the, one. Fair. Yes, number yeah. one. Was so tennis. this the, the, it needs to be the higher priority because currently Hernando cannot compete at baseball and softball nope. 
with South Haven and Senatobia nearby. It's just, it's not in the cards right now. So don't worry about it. Don't try to catch up. Don't try to do the things that you need to do. To Now, I'm not saying you, you know, you can make those as nice as they can as is. Sure. But do Keep not put any more serious money. Don't build any more Right. Baseball fields at this time. Focus on tennis first. Yeah, uh, Snowden is twenty minutes away. Host a, week, a tournament every weekend. Senatobia is fifteen, minutes, is the other 15 way. minutes the other way. Spent their five million dollars. Very nice right. complex. Oxford's fifty minutes away. Forty-five to fifty minutes away. And FNC or not FNC Park anymore, but M Trade Park, I think, in right. Oxford, something like that. State of the art, beautiful so, park. And again, and this is supported. Now they've talked to the Mississippi Tennis Association and the local tennis, and this would be highly supported uh, in that route. So that's number one. The second thing that they would like Hernando to focus on is a 30,000-square-foot multi-use indoor facility at Renaissance Park, primarily to be used for basketball courts, volleyball courts, to have archery tournaments, host eSports, which, I mean, everybody kind of laughs at that, but that that could, could be a thing, cheer, dance, and other training events. So, you know, we've talked about at one time we flirted with getting a Y here, but this is more, you know, having this multi-use facility – because you know there is a lack of basketball. I mean, right now they're having to play at Oak Grove School or have trials at Oak Grove School. Right. They play at the middle school. This would be a city-owned, where you don't have to contract with the county schools, a city-owned complex where you could host the Hernando you know, Rec League in the, in the winter, where they could practice or have after-school programs for kids, right. where they could have volleyball practices. We have the best volleyball in the state. Here in this county, with this, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. You know, they can actually have you know overflow practices, rec teams, competitive teams, practice volleyball. There. Everybody paying to be a part of the rec team. Everybody paying right. to be a part of the rec league. Derek, I'm going to cut you off real quick. You reached out and talked to the person that runs the YMCA in the Mid South. I did uh, uh, about four years ago. About four years ago. Okay, and I, I'm I don't want to get you in trouble here. The number one thing that he said, the reason they wouldn't come to Hernando is because of city involvement. That's right. Um, and, and that's and the, the city government was in the way. Well, they didn't. The partner. It was it was Correct. a a and I'm not saying it wasn't both ways. Right. Uh, that the the city and the Y could not come to an agreement. Now is, yeah. the Y wanted a lot of the funding by the city. Okay. I mean the Y was was asking for the city to give a lot to pay okay. a lot. Which so, Olive, Olive Branch must have done that. Yes. Okay. And, yeah. And, yes. and they have the, the tax base to do that. There you go. Okay. So the the you know the the funding was not there in the, at the time. And there was there were people that tried it ten and twelve years ago. Okay. Uh, before we even talked about it four or five years and we and we didn't get too far down the road it was more just a, a conversation, conversation yeah. but they reminded us of what had happened six to eight years before you know before right. we were talking to them so uh, it you know again and that may not happen ever but the consultants recommended us having something like that now this would need to have its own offices maybe move the park offices there they would need to have somebody running that facility and to oversee the planning of the, I guess, the activities that go there. So, again, it's – But, again, it's a, that's, that's basketball. It's volleyball. It's – I mean, I don't know if they said swimming or – I don't know, whatever. Well, but and not swimming. It was cheer, dance. Cheer, dance, all that kind of stuff, those different things. Yeah, and, and again, uh, training events. And then they said eSports, which was kind of funny. But oh, you'd be surprised. massive TV audiences right. for that. Ma- or not even TV, online audiences. Yeah, online that. TV, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that and that's minimal space. Oh, yeah, I and mean, it's minimal. And, again, that's – and that's out there. But, I mean – you know there are some people that appeals to, and I mean, who says we couldn't host a tournament for that at some sure. point? So that was that was number two. Number three. Now, okay, so we've got you know the tennis. Now we're focusing on tennis, basically in basketball, which is outside the norm of what South Haven and Olive Branch are looking at. Now South Haven does have nice tennis courts, but they're more focused on baseball and now soccer, uh, putting in the new soccer complex. The next thing they say, and this may surprise some people, that we are five to nine employees short in the parks department. That right now we have seven. 
and that uh, for a city our size, and especially if we get over t- around 20,000 or more with this next census, that we need to hire five to nine more people in the park to implement some of the things. What they said was a problem is, is that the current parks people both are trying to plan and also having to work. That they basically said, you need a management team that is doing nothing but being visionaries, that are directing, leading, putting, a, putting together this five or 10 year plan and trying to see it forward. Uh, and not being out there every day, hands on, make sure the grass is cut. They should not. They should put it out there. They should have the manpower to be able to do that without having to go behind, without having to do it themselves, and or without having to sit out there. I'm not saying they can't come by and look at it, but they need to have the people there so they can get doing their budgets, trying to figure out how to raise money, trying to how you know how to work with the mayor on maybe doing some type of penny for the parks, which again we'll get to in just a minute. But that's some of the things, and and right now we're just lacking in manpower. Yeah. So the the CEO of Hernando. Parks and Recreation shouldn't be running the school board at the basketball game. Correct. The person who puts the soccer schedule together shouldn't also go out there for five hours at night and referee a soccer game. Or collect the gate. Or collect the gate. Yeah. So what you're saying is, is hey, we need a management a division or a management, you know, whatever. Let's if there's 15, there's seven now. We're lacking seven. Easy numbers. Let's say 15 people. Five in management. Ten in the activity side of it, or ten in the action side of it. Because again, uh, UTW podcast listeners, the Parks and Recreation Department at this particular time, all parks and cemeteries have to be mown or, or cleaned up that's right. or, or, or overseen by that department. And so okay. it's just, again, recommendation. They yeah, are not it. from yeah. here. They don't know the politics sure. here. No. It's just this is outside looking in, giving their opinion of what should happen. No, and not only that, 30 years experience and, hey, here's what we did in Long Beach and Biloxi and all these other places. F- that guy was probably heavily involved in, in when Katrina came through. Yep. Actually, he was became the director of leader services after that. Right. So it was after that. Uh, the next thing, again, surprising equestrian center to focus on the question the, the the horse complex down at the civic center and you're saying are you serious i'm dead serious this this was number four hotels said hotels that, restaurants people i mean eating yes. food. that's it they're saying add a 20 stall barn for horses to improve the parking the obviously the, the to more asphalt adding additional parking spaces for the trailers to revamp the current arena and to add additional lighting that's but, out there by the baseball field yeah Basically, it kind of sits in the middle of the baseball field in the back. Right. So you drive through the middle of the sure, complex sure. in the yeah. back. And, again, you, you laugh, but they said equestrians, they basically compete year-round. So you have one large event per year, two large events, or maybe a, a, a smaller local event and a larger statewide event. You know, this is something that again, you're laughing, but it brings people in town. They come in Hernando. They see Hernando. They fall in love with Hernando. They come back the next month with their family. Right. That's what you want. You're just trying to sell the town. So, again, that's what they recommend for the – and then the last – part they said was after all this if you've got this stuff established if you're, if you're going after the tennis crowd which maybe the other cities aren't focusing on if you're going after the equestrian crowd the basketball crowd the other cities aren't then once you do that once the businesses start moving here once we get the infrastructure put in again this is a 10 or 15 20 year plan once that happens then you say okay baseball softball soccer what do we need to do well now we can say okay soccer will finish your We'll finish your complex. You know, now I'm, I'm not saying the soccer won't probably fundraise because they will to try to get another set of lights, another field done. But the city will then come in, finish it up at that point. Then they'll go buy out, build the new, you know, four to six baseball, softball field complex somewhere. Maybe it's on Renaissance Park. Maybe it's somewhere else because the multi-use facility has done so well. Um, but that's what that's kind of what they recommend. Again, it's a, I, I thought it was a great thing. Now you're saying, well, what does this mean to the city? So by doing all this, what does the city get? Well, the, the first thing is is that you get millions of dollars to the city and tourism. Again, they come for the event, then they come back and bring their family because they like the area. You get new jobs, 
Obviously, you're talking about the city jobs, maybe five to seven, and then you're talking about the other new jobs of people being put in, maybe to run you know, certain areas, and then people to visit, and then they return because they like it. Mm-hmm. You know, Hernando, I mean, when people move here, they love it. You know, but then they're like, okay, well, where do I do this? Where do I do this? Well, you still have to go over here to do this. Well, that might not be true going forward. So, so how do we implement this? And, I'll, and this is about this is the end of it. It's, this is the T part, right? Yeah, this okay. is the this is the t- so well the the, the threats. We've already talked about threats. the threats. Okay. I, I apologize. That was the opportunities. The threats, of course, are South Haven. Uh, that they're they're taking soccer they're taking baseball. baseball you know they've got a nice tennis complex but i mean you know hernando's located closer to tunica and there's a big crowd that goes to tunica even from south haven so we're kind of that middle area so that that is an opportunity but there is a threat Senatobia is a threat of course again poor management's a threat not being able to have the vision to put a plan together is a threat or to, to, to implement this plan is a threat so th- there are a lot of threats now so how do we you know to wrap this up how do we implement it first thing they said is that they need you know some type of champion and they, they called it a champion a leader to put this plan into place you know to, and to see the vision to have this vision and to see it forward that's the first thing they said the second thing they said was is to that to use this comprehensive plan and this the, the mayor kind of uh kind of jumped in and said something on this to put the comprehensive plan and to use that to have a an actual like this which i think is a a i mean it's 133 pages long so i think it's a, a very well thought out plan to use this to say, okay, you know, residents, this is what we want to do. Can we talk about the pennies for the parks? What's that look like? Not just, hey, we're going to give the city $300,000 a year or whatever to start to put toward to parks. No, 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 no. We want to do this and this. It's going to cost X amount of dollars. If we can establish this penny for the parks using this comprehensive plan, then we can go forward. Can we have this conversation? That's that's the second thing. The uh, the comprehensive plan that they approve, you know, this one that once it's finalized, which will be this Friday, once the comprehensive plan is finalized this Friday, they can then use that apply for grant. Yes, we have a five year plan. Here it is. We want to apply for that grant. Right. Yes, here it is. Maybe some walking trails over here. So that's what that is. And then finally is to you know to to have this blueprint. You will be able to go to the city's webpage over the next. Three days, three or four days. So this is Tuesday. So by Friday, you can go to the city's webpage if you want to. Again, all 133 pages is a PDF if you want to read the plan. And then you can also make comments. Uh, you can make uh, comments at, on the website or on the Facebook or Twitter uh, at the city. You can make comments or you can re- email russ.brian at neilshafer.com and you can email either comments about what you read. Now, again, I'm telling you this because of this is some some uh, excuse me summation of what I read and watched. But please, you know, don't say well Derek said. You know, go read it yourself. And if you have a comment, say yeah, I, I approve of this, or you're crazy if you think we can get horse people to come here. Whatever you want to say, russ.brian at neilshafer.com. Or go to the Facebook page, go to the city's Twitter page, comment on it. You and I have lived in Hernando now for 15 years. Uh, we've been heavily involved with men's groups, women's groups, uh, different political things and so forth. Maybe it's time to start or stop talking about what we can't do no, we, and focus on what we can do. I agree. Maybe, maybe it's time to quit bitching about what South Haven has and do something about it. Well, I mean, it, look, it, it's going to take money. It's going to take whether, and again, taxes, and, and we said this four or five years ago when, we, when you know I was part of a group trying to raise funds for the soccer field, for the baseball field taxes are not always bad okay so you know or if you want to get public service done it's got to be paid by the public through some type of way and you know we we, yes we could try to attract businesses and they're trying you know that's their job and if you don't like the way they're doing the job then you can you know vote next spring but again go back to the weakness real quick Go back to the weakness. One of the main weaknesses, the very first one, Derek, you talked about commerce. A lack of corporate Lack presence. of corporate presence. Corporate presence. This is me saying it. This might not be both of you. The city of Fernando is not 
I know for a fact, not an easy place to open and run a business. That needs to be that needs to be looked at. I mean, I've, I'm in commercial real estate. Uh, I own a business here, multiple businesses here. The city is not an easy place to own a business, whether it be a small mom and pop shop all the way up to a massive uh, warehouse. The city seems to talk a lot about no, no, no versus yes, yes, yes. And we have to improve that. That's a weakness. No, and, and again, the corporate presence is a weakness. Absolutely. It's because just- the corporate people are the ones that are going to say, hey, associated fool, why not have an associate if they if they say 600 jobs or people hernando they can stroke a check for a hundred thousand dollars put their names on a big park to kick things off right that's that's the kind of corporate presence that we're talking about well look there has to be a good city private correct communication partnership in any city uh, but it, you know, for for something like Hernando that has well, we know the growth opportunity is there. It's coming, Hernando West, which again uh, is something that'll be talked about. You know, coming up, uh, you've got Madison Lakes, which again I think Natalie talked about. It's just those are things that are coming now. Yeah. Again, not maybe not as fast as some people want it, or maybe some people don't believe that they're coming because they haven't happened yet, but they're coming. So either either way you believe they're coming, and I think that it's just important that that may take an increase in property taxes because we have to run water and sewer to get to a commercial area where then we don't have to raise taxes again maybe for another five years because the commercial is now there or maybe we're maybe you are paying 20 cents more on your meal to go toward funding a part plan that is a actual part plan a comprehensive plan that we're talking about right now i'm all for both of those now i don't like seeing money wasted but i think we can all agree hernando doesn't waste money now, you may not like some people in positions, and again, that is your right to vote them in or out, but to say that we waste money, I would I would argue with you because I've seen the books, and there's not a lot of money leaking out. We don't make enough money right. as a city <laughs> to leak out. And so, you know, if, if there was money leaking out, you would see, okay, well, now we've had to lay off policemen. No, we haven't. Now, we're still understaffed as a police force, but we're not losing them because we have to make cuts. Um, I mean, they, they do a pretty good job balancing the budget. There's just not a lot of income coming in. Households are cost. What you pay in, in city taxes now, you pay city, county, and school. So your taxes may be higher. You may feel like they're high. City taxes are not high, okay? So that your house coming in, you know, 100 houses coming in is not a moneymaker for the city because now they've got to hire more police, more fire. They've got to service more roads, more overlays. That is a money cost. We have to have commercial, industrial, corporate, and that's what the, that's what this plan is saying, and that's what we need to be focused on. So again, if you see pennies of the park talked about, don't shoot it because it says tax. You know, if you see, hey, we may not have to raise taxes because we've got to put in some sewer, some water lines. Listen, go to the meetings, have the conversations. I'm not saying educate that, yourself. Yeah, I'm not saying that this increase may be right. Maybe it should be 5%, not 10%, I mean, uh, uh, 5 cents, not 10 cents, or two meals, not four meals. I understand that. So that that's the conversation you can have. But to say, well, I just want to be stagnant and I've been here 20 years, we've raised taxes twice and that's enough, that, that's not that's not good enough. You, you and I, have, we've traveled around with soccer and different sports and stuff like that. But when you travel over to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, or you travel to Franklin, Tennessee, or you travel to you know different places and, and we, we pull up to a new restaurant and, and eat there, and then, then we go to our 12 field soccer complex and so forth and so on, we always typically leave there saying, oh man, Hernando, Hernando needs something like this. So at a certain point, something's got to give. Right. At a certain point, something's got to give. Hernando needs to focus on what we can do, what we, what we, hey, let's, let's start pushing in the direction of maybe, maybe it doesn't benefit our kids, but maybe our grandkids could have the nicest, nicest blank complex in the state of Mississippi. Why yeah. And, I, and, and I'm not letting the city leaders off the hook though. They also need to be working to attract with what we have. 
They need to sell what we have. Yes. You know, so yes, we may not have the best infrastructure. We might not have only, you know, enough hotel space for certain things. But we can still, you know, we we got AWG. We got the grocer coming in. Okay. We got Pinnacle Toyota, you know, Principal Toyota. It's not like they're not doing anything. All right. So So don't stop. Keep going. Yeah. So keep going. And again, both, both sides. So let's. Let's stop fighting each other, and let's work together. Uh, but, I, I, again, if you have not seen this plan, please look at it. Please see City it. Cityofhernando.org this coming Friday. Cityofhernando.org. Uh, by this Friday, make your comments, and then they will, they will then finalize the comprehensive plan for the city. Uh, it seems like we pay consultants, um, companies, different people. Uh, they'll gladly take our money over and over and over again uh, for all these different things. Uh, guys, it's time we start doing something. Uh, that's And, this again, this is the UTW podcast. Me and Derek are, are very close friends and have known each other for now for 20 years. Kids roughly the same age, and, and Derek and I have talked tons and tons off air about different things. But at a certain point, you got to quit griping about, man, that's really a nice soccer complex and, you know, you know whatever. Or, man, I wish we could have some uh, clay courts, uh, you know, you know we got to drive all the way to Tunica. Hey, get involved. Bring it up. Start asking questions. Start pushing. If you want it, do it. If you see, if you see a need, fill it. Let's get this done, man. Let's start moving in a direction and, and Hernando be a, a, a city of, of vision versus a city of griping. So uh, anyway, we love Hernando more than, I mean, as much as the next person. I mean, we, we created a podcast, you know, literally discussing what goes on under the water tower. So um, just a, a really neat uh, project. I look forward to getting that information more from you and, and taking a look at it and stuff. But I, I'm ready for Hernando. Again, it, it, my kids probably won't see it if my grandkids can or if kids in the future. If 2040, somebody is, you know, doing a, a a massive equestrian event in Hernando, and it's it's helping the city. I'm all for it, man. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, now turning to stuff that's actually going on right now <laughs> that we agree. I know that we that we do uh, agree with all these sports. We want to apologize uh, to Natalie for having to come on this long show. <laughs> so that's a couple of things that before we get to football, which is going to be brief this week. But before we get to that, a couple of other sports we want to turn to. First of all, congratulations to Hernando's cross country girls and boys teams. The girls and boys teams both won the county cross-country meets that was held uh, this past weekend at Olive Branch City, City Park. Uh, the boys were led by Graham Weiss of Hernando, who ran an 18 18 minutes, 12 seconds. And then uh, 500 Right, right around my personal best. Right around that's, my that's personal best. Yeah. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> um, and then, the, uh, of course, that was followed by in second place was the second-place finisher was uh, Alan – all of us of Olive Branch at 1817. So he's about five seconds behind Graham. DeSoto Central came in second place overall for the boys. Center Hill came in third place. Now the girls did even did even better than the boys. Now, yes, they still won. However, Matt, of the top five girls that all finished, five. All five. one, two, three, five, one, two, three, four, five, of the top five, how many girls came from Hernando? Uh, well, what happened? I know, I know the answer. Hernando uh, had to get up, drive to Olive Branch, and could have just run it outside their house because all five of the top five spots were Hernando. That is girls. correct. All five, the first five finishers were all from Hernando. Now, for those of y'all that are not kind of keeping up with cross country, what they do is they take the top five finishers. The top five finishers, how they place, that is how they determine what team wins. Well, let me say, when you finish. Five of five. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's, Why even drive that's an Olive absolute Branch? massacre. That's a massacre. <laughs> but congratulations. Let's see, I'm trying to uh, read right here real quick. They were, I apologize, girls, if I get your names wrong. Madison McMillan, Emma Claire Haley, Sarah Harmon were, were three of them. And then the, uh, uh, Delaney Hopkins, Miss Jackson. I, could not, I think it's Riley Jackson. Riley Jackson. I could, yeah. the, the name was cut off for some Basically reason. Basically sounds like a bid sheet. For yeah, Katie, Riley Katie's Jackson, Delaney Hopkins, Madison McMillan, <laughs> Emma Claire Haley, and Sarah Harmon. Congratulations to the girls' team. Uh, for running that, and uh, Riley Jackson, she led the way with at 20 minutes 
and nine seconds. So yeah. congratulations to the girls. Big sweep there from the uh, for the cross country. Now we turn to volleyball. Uh, volleyball, we had three teams in action this past weekend. This was the second round. Uh, the winner of this will be going to North State for both 5 and 6A. Uh, the first one was Lake Cormorant. Lake Cormorant won. Lake Cormorant girls beat Neshoba Central 3-0. Scores 25-11, 25-13, and 25-11. Uh, and so, congratulations to Lake Cormorant. They will be advancing to the North Half Finals, North State uh, North Half uh, Finals. They, are, unfortunately, will not be playing Center Hill. Center Hill, who looked like they were going to be well on their way, they were the favorites for the championship. Unfortunately, they had several of their players hit uh, with the COVID that were having to sit out for two weeks. Uh, one of their best players, unfortunately, had bro- broke her leg over the last week or so. And so they were down several uh, of the girls. They lost to New Hope uh, in the second round, 3-2. to two. Just a heartbreaker. 13-25, 25-15, 20-25, 25-20. And then the last set, the tie-breaking set, 15-12. So just, you know, very we, – we just feel for Center Hill. We know at full strength that might have been a different story. So now New Hope will advance to play Lake Cormorant in the North Half Finals for 5A. On 6A, we had one DeSoto County had one team playing. That was uh, DeSoto Central. DeSoto Central uh, played. They did win. They won their uh, match against Oxford 3-1, 23-25, 25-20, 25-16, 25-17, 25-18, 25-19, 25-20, 25-21, 25-22, 25-23, 25-24, 25-25, 25-26, 25-27, 25-28, 25-29, 25-30, 25-31, 25-32, 
18 carries, 109 yards, one TD. Yeah, Center Hill, 32-14 over New Hope. Uh, move a little bit west. South Haven, to me, upsets Olive Branch. South Haven uh, came in with a record of 1-4. and four. Obviously, South Haven had been uh, had issues with the coronavirus, so they had not played or have not played a ton of games. Um, but their first game back, 19-14 to 14 over Olive Branch. Olive Branch started out 4-0, uh, were ranked in the state, and Olive Branch has dropped three games in a row. I mean, so Olive Branch has uh, taken definitely steps back in the last three games. South Haven 19, Olive Branch 14. Uh, again, we'll, we'll highlight uh, upcoming games on Friday. Lewisburg drove down. Actually, man, I have something on that. Yeah, we talked about that earlier. Uh, I think last week when we previewed this game, we talked about how this is kind of a uh, old rivalry. They actually call it the backyard brawl. Uh, this is the first time South Haven has won in four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so South Haven was able to come. I, I picked this game. I picked South you Haven did, to win this game. I, I moved past that real quick. <laughs> so uh, quarterback Jordan Hibbler, he had a touchdown, ran for a touchdown, and also threw for two more. And it was this uh, two-yard toss to Calvin Williams with 321 remaining in the third that would be the difference in this contest. Of course, Olive Branch, as we know, they like to run the ball. Uh, they did a pretty good job running the ball. Uh, but this time, it was just not enough. Uh, they had, I think, 300 and some odd yards rushing, uh, just an enormous 334 yards rushing. Uh, the passing, they had zero, which we know is not unusual. Uh, but they did also they did have two fumbles. So you lose by three with, you know, excuse me, five with two fumbles. It's kind of tough to recover. But, again, good win uh, by the Chargers. Well, not only that, Derek, they're a running team. So if you – Get, if you get behind, you end up having a throw, and you're not, you're not necessarily good at it. So uh, definitely a struggle. South Haven, congratulations on the first game back, 19-14 over the Keisters. Lewisburg travels down Highway 78, goes down to take on the Tupelo Golden Wave uh, there on the blue turf. Uh, did not get it done. Lewisburg was beaten 30-14 to by Tupelo. Um, seemed to be very Tupelo-sided. Derek, any stats? No, nothing on that, Matt. Okay. Uh, next game up, and again, we're we're moving through these pretty quick because we don't we don't want to get into an hour and a half, two hour show. But the game, Derek and I really like the idea of, like the wish we could be there. Oxford hosted Horn Lake. Uh, Horn Lake had come in uh, rolling with three three straight wins to get, uh, run to three and two on the season. Uh, so a battle of unbeaten uh, Horn Lake twenty six could not handle Oxford's fifty. Oxford put up 50 points on Horn Lake, 50 to 26 winner against Horn Lake. So uh, Horn Lake moves to three and one in district with the loss, three and three on the season. Oxford goes to six and zero, and then to four and zero in district. So uh, Derek, you know Horn Lake and Hernando play this week. That's who Hernando plays this week. Uh, so you got uh, Hernando, who's undefeated right now in district, benefited by some uh, some COVID nineteen issues. Yeah. At the end of the day, who cares? Let's play. Let's let's put the ball down and play, and uh, see if we can stay undefeated there uh, for the Tigers this coming Friday. So we have two unbeaten teams left in the district, Oxford 4-0, Hernando 4-0. That's exactly right. So uh, Hernando, and again, they'll be playing soon. So that'll be a, a massive game coming up pretty soon. First and foremost, Hernando has to beat Horn Lake, uh, beat them. Lake Cormorant, the Gators, travel to Columbus and absolutely demol them. 28 nothing. It wasn't even that close. Columbus moves to 1-6. Lake Cormorant moves to 5-1 and one on the season, 3-1 and one in district play. So uh, LC on the west side of the county is doing a great job right now. Probably a playoff team. Center Hill, probably a playoff team in the 5A ranks. Remember, uh, Lake Cormorant and Center Hill are the only 5A schools in the county uh, from a public school standpoint. So uh, good luck to those guys and good job there in the public school ranks over the last uh, – over Friday. And, again, we flew right through them uh, because we don't want to create such a long show. But, Derek, catch me up. I know the North Point Trojans, who I did pick to win. I did pick to win because, uh, well, really, I went against you. Uh, well, I tried one. the reverse jinx. Reverse jinx did not work. <laughs> That was that's where you I was. Should, you should not night. have gotten out of the car. Well, it was it was a it was a t- it was a tough night. Um, they you know they just came out. North Point just 
from the beginning was not in this game. Lausanne jumped out to a quick 41-0 lead. Of course, they instituted the running clock to shorten the game. Once you get to more than 35 points, running clock kicks in. Uh, the North Point was able to score in the second half, Hudson Brown to Christian Gillen for an uh, 80-yard touchdown pass. Nice. Other than that, that's that was that was the entire night. Wow. Uh, just a just a tough night at Lausanne. What was the final score? Uh, forty-eight to seven. Forty-eight to 48 seven. Forty-eight to seven. So they're running clock at the end. That does help. Oh it, no, it helps I love tremendously. A clock. And also, when you know that, hey man, we're probably not going to come back in this game. Yeah. It's very nice to end that game before nine o'clock and get home by nine thirty when you're up in Memphis. Oh, I, absolutely. I promise you. No doubt. North Point. Sorry, boys. Uh, moved to three and three, one and two on the season in district. Uh, Lausanne, obviously. Uh, again, we talked about on Friday had some coronavirus issues. Only their fifth game, so three uh, move up to four and one, two and one in district, but they're pretty stout. So, uh, you know, North Point, keep your head up. Uh, big game coming up this week. Big game against Saint uh, Saint George's on the road. So uh, going up to Memphis, uh, Collierville. Yeah, Collierville, North Collierville, really to play the Saint George's Griffins. Griffin, Griffins, Griffins, Griffins. Yeah. Uh, last game, Pillow Academy Mustangs took the MHS Chiefs behind the woodshed. Did not see this coming. Uh, I mean, we both picked Manila Heights. Similar records, I think, uh, actually exact same records, but with uh, Pillow having one one more loss in district. But they just, I mean, they ran all over it, 42-12, to 12, just an absolute beat down. Uh, I'm not sure what happened with, with Manila Heights. You know, that's tough to be beat like that at home, uh, a district foe. Uh, but Pillow came up from Greenwood and just laid it to them. Absolutely did. Uh, MHS moves to 5-4 and four on the season, 2-3 and three in district. So, uh, got to keep battling to try and get a playoff spot there. It's not looking good. Uh, for them to make the playoffs. But, again, it's hard to believe that was already their ninth game. Um, but we've been doing this now. There's our 21st well, show. Well, here's the thing. I mean, if, if this had been a normal year, everybody's yeah. in ninth game. <laughs> no, you keep on saying it. I know. You, you're definitely right. But, uh, again, uh, public school ranks, uh, great job Friday night, guys. Uh, we, we pull for the DeSoto County teams. I catch myself, Derek, uh, looking it up pretty hard on Friday nights just to see how the young men are doing. North Point, keep your head up. Magnolia Heights, keep your head up. Uh, and see if you can get on the, the winning side next week. Again, kind of wrapping up the show, uh, we want to thank Natalie Lynch, kind of the uh, the UTW podcast, probably favorite uh, planning commissioner. Uh, so we appreciate her support each and every week with that. And uh, thank you for coming in and talking to us. We'd like to get Natalie on every once in a while to talk about things going on in the planning commission. Well, the planning commission only meets once a month, so we would love to have Natalie come on after that meeting yeah, or the week after that meeting every month uh, yeah. and just come on, tell us what's going on. This one, you know, was not too involved, but there there are some that get contentious. Uh, you know, when Madison Lakes was coming through the first time, you know, we could have talked about that. We did not have her on last month, but we, we plan on doing it going forward. And there will be bigger projects coming, so we would love to have her and just her – kind of her thoughts on it, what the commissioners are seeing, what they're looking for, and just kind of educate the public. You know, so if, if somebody that's listening ever has something they want to bring before the planning commission, they can kind of know what, you know, kind of what to bring, how to structure it, you know, to get, you know maybe have a favorable outcome. Right. And anybody that knows Natalie knows she does nothing halfway. If she commits to something, she's going to work hard on it. I know she definitely does that when it comes to uh, the future of Hernando. So thank you to her again, and we appreciate it. Autumn meeting tonight. We'll catch you up on that on Friday. Talk a lot more on Friday about the high school football football games coming up. Uh, Derek, anything else? Man, just looking forward to a great week and just to gather again on Friday and uh, let's go. <laughs> that's it. The governor says wear your mask. Uh, we're not going to lecture you on that. Just please uh, do your part. That's what we keep asking for. Derek, if nothing else, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower. This is where we dropped off a pretty little girl. Once